Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. This is episode number 54, the Rodney Rogers episode, as Mr. Rogers wore number 54 for quite a few different neighborhoods throughout his 12 seasons in the NBA. But I'll most remember his time in my neighborhood, earning the Sixth Man of the Year Award as a member of the Phoenix Suns during the 1999-2000 season. Bruce, I know that we got a very special guest joining us on tonight's show, so I'll let you go ahead and take over the introductory honors. Thank you, Ross. Mark J. Spears, where do we begin? We'll start with, he's a Hall of Famer, the winner of the Kurt Gowdy Media Award, which means he'll be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield later this summer. It's the most prestigious honor possible for media members who've made outstanding contributions to the world of basketball. Mark covered the Denver Nuggets beat from 99 to 07 at the Denver Post, the Celtics beat for the Boston Globe from 07 to 09, was a national writer for Yahoo Sports from 2009 to 2015, and he joined The Undefeated at ESPN in 2015. The Undefeated, now known as Anscape, and Mark continues to crush it there. He's also a TV personality and was one of my go-to guys back in my ESPN days. And besides all of that, he was a baller. In college, graduated from San Jose State, master's degree from LSU, recipient of an honorary doctorate degree from Langston College in Oklahoma, and we'll be discussing some of Mark's memorable career moments later in the show, but we want to jump right in with the news of the moment. Welcome, Dr. Spears. <laughs> Bruce, thanks for having me, man, and, and I just wanted to give you a shout out first and foremost, man. When I first got to ESPN, there were certain people that, you know, when you, when you arrive at ESPN, it could be a little intimidating, right? And uh, you're going to the highest level in terms of sports media and most attention. And uh, Bruce was one of the people that put his arm around me and basically said, you're here because you're supposed to be here. You're an asset to the company and you're going to do great things. And so I always, you know, he knows I, I love him. And every time I see him, I I could be doing going 100 miles per hour, but I'm going to stop and, and pay homage. So. Just thank you for everything, man, because you, you you didn't have to do that. And a lot of people didn't do it, but you did. So I always got love for you, bro. You humbled me with your words, and I love you, too. You're, you're, you're a, a brother in the basketball family, always have been, always will be. But I got to start out with one thing before we dive into the world of basketball at the moment. When you got that call about Springfield, yeah. you got to tell me, what was that like? Oh, man. Um, I guess a little secret is um, I've been part of a TV show that's filming that's not even about sports, really. And I don't know if I could divulge everything, but I could say that. And we were filming in New York, and we just happened to be on a break. And um, I was in my little uh, room, relaxing, waiting for the next thing we had to do, and John DeLiva called. And I knew I was being considered. Um, but when he, I mean, why else he calling me like, right. So, (laughs) but until he says it, it's not real. And I think my only regret is like, you have people that like, uh, I don't know, like, like, do they tell John to leave it a call back so they can film it? You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I I didn't have it on film or anything like that. So, um, 
but it's just surreal and it, and it still is like every time i hear somebody like yourself say hall of famer man it just it warms my heart it feels amazing and like the ceremony is august 11th i still got to do my speech um uh, but it's like just them announcing it at all-star that's kind of where it, it hit even har- harder you know what i mean because that was on live television um you know my wife was there and so it was great that she was a part of it and um I kind of choked up and that's not really my style when they brought me on stage and asked me a couple questions. Cause like for somebody that like loved basketball, but couldn't play in the NBA to make it here. Like, man, you don't know how like amazing that is to me. They could put my name in the bathroom. They could put my name in a, <laughs> a closet somewhere, but my name's in there, right? Like it's in there. And I played college basketball, but basketball as a journalist got there, got me there using my writing ability, got me there. So it's still kind of stunning and um, incredible. And I've been talking to my friends about getting there, you know, coming out to Springfield and the the Mohegan sun, which aren't the easiest place to get to, but just the fact that like, especially my mom, like my mom is super excited about this. Like, it's just, um, I don't really know. I know I'm like rambling on because I think it all culminates on August 11th. That's when I re- it really, really like truly hit me. Like, I'm like, um, this is what you dream of as a kid, but you don't dream of it as a kid this way. So I think that's that's what makes it really, really special to me. You know, before I know Russ wants to jump in, but I just want to say I actually predicted this. I'm writing a book about I'm writing a book about my career. <coughs> it's called it, I'm working with an editor and you, we're going to Yeah, you started. got to appreciate all this water, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I got it, I got it right here, right? <laughs> so, I was writing a, one of the chapters is about all of the great journalists that I've worked with, you know. And mm-hmm. I've worked with several Kurt Gowdy media award winners. I've worked with David Aldridge. I've worked with Mark Stein. I've worked mm-hmm. with Mike Breen. I've worked with Doris Burke. There's probably some others that I'm leaving out. And I said, and and I'm going to predict that Mark J. Spears will eventually win that award. Now the book hasn't been published yet, so oh, I can't okay. prove I like, it. I didn't, I didn't see yeah. that. Where right, did, oh, it have... hasn't come up. But I did I have tweeted to re- it out. I to retweet it. I did. I did have to rewrite the chapter, right? Because I'm okay. sending it to the address. Because now it's like, well, I can't predict it anymore because it happened. Well, you so, can say that you did. I, well, it, it would actually be true. Um, but the point being, you were stamped for greatness from way before you knew me. So I'm just so proud to be your friend, your brother, your colleague, and everything you've got, you've totally deserve. And God Thank bless you. you is all I got to say. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Go ahead, you Ross. It's, uh, oh, one thing, too, that is interesting about the Hall of Fame that I think a lot of people forget and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here or anything like that, um, but just, you know, it, 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 I think a lot of people just think about that I covered NBA, but I also covered college basketball. And I had the amazing opportunity out of college to cover Nolan Richardson, man. I covered Nolan Richardson. I covered My first job was covering the University of Arkansas's football and basketball team for the Tulsa World, and I covered them from 95 to 97. Um also covered Cal State Northridge basketball for a season 
But then I also did University of Louisville and Kentucky basketball for two years before I started covering the NBA. So I covered Denny Crum and yeah. and Tubby, Tubby Smith. So I before I even got to the NBA, I got to cover Nolan Richardson, Denny Crum, and Tubby Smith. Like, come on, man. Like is um so it was like after you cover those three coaches, I ain't scared of pop. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit, but you, you know what I mean. Like, I, I I got Nolan Richardson out the door, man, and and forty minutes started, of hell, baby. Yeah, man, that was incredible. Um, I remember Denny Crum. He, uh, I'll tell this quick story. God rest his soul, man. Um, he actually, I had a, a first start. I'm gonna blame Pat Forty for this. You know, Louisville got in all this trouble in the late '90s. Uh, for NCAA sanctions and stuff like that. You guys probably remember. And so I started doing some of their games or covering their team. And Denny Crum was so like mad at, at the Courier Journal that he like locked me out of practice at the Paul. I remember they were practicing at the Paul and he didn't let me in. And I think somebody told him like, man, this, this kid ain't got nothing to do with it, man. You ain't got to be a jerk to him, man. And eventually he was like, all right, he's okay. He, he let his guard down with me, but like Danny Crum was a gem to be around. Tubby couldn't have been nicer. Nolan was like a father to me, man. I, I love Nolan Richardson. And um, so that, that kind of gave me a, a, a really nice, you know, foundation before I, uh, in basketball history, before I even covered NBA, I remember interviewing Tubby Smith in this long room, this like, you know, meeting room, and there was an Adolf Rub, uh, like bust at the end of the room, staring at him, which was really strange. But it certainly was incredible covering those guys. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us. It's it's an honor to have you uh, on the Forty Eight Minutes podcast. Uh, definitely want to talk some ball with you, but before we get into it any deeper, we do need to let our listeners know that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and the latest matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And Mark, we wanted to start picking your brain with the latest headlines around the association these days. And of course, Victor Wembanyama officially introduced as a member of the San Antonio Spurs. You had mentioned pop and uh, not being afraid to talk to him. So really uh, curious on what you thought about kind of his, his first couple of days with the San Antonio Spurs, which included that dinner uh, with Spurs legends, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili and Sean Elliott. And, uh, you know, what's your take on Victor thus far, having covered, obviously, the college game, plenty of rookies uh, throughout your years working in the NBA? And uh, would you agree that San Antonio is just like a perfect landing spot for a guy like this? Well, I'm, I'm going to take you back to um, Las Vegas or Henderson, okay. uh, Nevada, um, where he played against the G League night. And I was kind of waiting on, on Victor because Tony Parker had told me about him. A while ago, I'd actually gone to France a couple of years ago to watch um, Lyon, Tony's team play. And he was like, hey, I remember there's a kid that's on, a, I believe he's on the Hornets now. 
that was like young on Tony's team at the time. Tony's like, hey man, we there's this other kid, like this seven foot three kid. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> but he kept like kind of telling me about it. Then it got big, and like I'm, I made sure I was in Henderson, Nevada when he when he arrived because I I knew. And I remember I was telling people like, yo, this is a big deal. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is a huge, huge deal to the point where I told three of my friends, fly out to come watch this kid. Trust me. Trust, just trust me, trust me, trust me. Yeah. And they did. They flew out to Vegas <laughs> to go watch him play. And I just remember the first time I laid eyes on him at a practice, I was like, wow, he's he's every bit of height is what they said he is and and he has the humor and he has the charisma and he has the swag i remember the line he had was uh you know if i wasn't in this draft scoot henderson would probably be number one i'll never forget he said that <laughs> and the thing was was like he's right like yep. it was like what was what are you gonna say you know french people tell the truth right <laughs> yeah um i remember the guy from cheers who was French who kept telling what he was going to steal his girlfriend, right? Like they just straightforward. Right. And, uh, Bruce got that one. Right. Yeah. I'm actually <laughs> um, old enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, he, he seems to have it all height, charisma, humility, love for, to talk to the media. Let me see him play, man. He stepped on the court and I was like this the whole time. <laughs> and I'm and I'm not like that. I, I don't get impressed that easy. I, I felt like I saw one of the wonders of the world. And and I, I keep telling people now, even like I was telling this guy the other day, I said, you have to see him in person for it to make sense. Like seeing it on TV, like y- y'all, y'all understand the eye test, right? Yep. You have to see it in person to for it to make sense to you. So to see him cross people over, step back and shoot a three at seven five, come <laughs> on, man. Like the mid-range jumper is unstoppable. Then he cares about defense, block shots. Um, but one line afterwards stood out to me. Um, I talked to CJ McCullum, and he's like, You went and saw him play, right? I did a diary on CJ last season. I'm like, yeah, he goes, he made seven of 11 threes in that first game. He's like, I don't know how many NBA players in a gym by themselves can make seven of 11 three-pointers. He did that in his first NBA-sanctioned game. It's like, yeah, Good that's point. that's pretty incredible. And so, I mean, I guess that you have to find a knock. The only knock is that he's slim. And that's a big knock. Um, but I, I get the sense, like, He's going to end up filling out kind of like David Robinson. Okay. You know, I, I, um, I, I think he – some scouts told me that he has a build that will be able to put on some weight, some strength. Not not like, um, you know, Shaq, but more so slender build. Um, you know, if you remember, like David Robinson was pretty slim when he came in, but he he bulked up. And, and I, I don't know this kid's going to, like, bulk up, but – I I do think in today's NBA, you know, like with the bigger court than he played in Europe, rare that you see zones. I mean, he could shoot somebody out of a zone. 
<laughs> like uh, it's not like the '80s NBA where he's going to get hit over the head every two minutes, right? There, there will be some people that perhaps try to take advantage of his uh, lack of size um, defensively, but he's a problem when he walks in the door. Absolutely, I mean he's a guy that makes Rudy Gobert look six nine, and uh, as you said, with the eye test, you have to really be there because the way he moves, you just can't really comprehend that he's legitimately seven five because he moves like like he's he's a six six, eight wing he's not a giant he's not like Yao, right yeah he's not like um oster tag you know um even like dikembe who was a pretty athletic like he he kind of like he could he could get up and down the floor man like Shaq was able to get up and down the floor in a freakish kind of way wilt chamberlain right but um and and then may, maybe in time he'll have a wilt kind of build, right? But um this is this is a unicorn, man. This is something different. Yeah, I know I see I've heard Bo Bo and Porzingis comparisons, but this is this is different. I feel like this is different. And and it's different defensively too. I, I would totally agree with you there, Mark. And uh, one question I asked last show, and I'd be very curious to get your take is you know, I think a lot of people think, well, he's seven five. You know, he's going to get some minutes at the at the five this year. I think it's actually the opposite. I think he's going to obviously start more as a four, but then we're going to see more glimpses of him trying out the small forward position than we would the center. Would you agree? In this first year, they're going to try him out a little bit more at wing than yeah. they would ever consider him a five. I don't know that. Yeah, like yeah, I think we just assume they're going to throw him in the post. Like yeah, and and he could do that. I mean, how do you block his turnaround jumper, right? How do you how do you stop Dirk when he was playing? Dirk wasn't really in the post, but if he wanted to, he could hit a turnaround jumper on you. I just think he's so tall. Like they just showed him, like in, in the San Antonio, like he dunked a ball with like on his tippy toes. Yeah, right. Like yeah. you're not going to be. He could if he doesn't uh, succeed offensively, it's because of him. And that's the same one player I feel like with that is Durant. If Durant misses, it's because he missed. Dirk misses, it's because he missed. If Wemby misses, it's because he missed. But the difference is, Ross, I think defensively he will be a five. Because you can't tell me, man, when somebody's going to the basket that you ain't thinking about it. Yeah. You absolutely are. What is his wingspan? Like eight-something? Yeah. Eight yeah. eleven or something like that, like something ridiculous. You, you got to think about it when you're going up for a layup. So I, I know there's just so much fascination about him offensively, but defensively, like he could end up being a defensive player of the year candidate if he's up, up um, you know, getting an obscene amount of blocks every game. No doubt about that, and. uh from one dominant five potentially to the one that's currently just killing the game and Nikola Jokic. Um, wanted to ask you about this Denver title run. You know, we have talked about on our show here how timeless of a game the Joker does have and how he could be playing like this for the next 10 years, no problem. He doesn't jump high. You know, he passes the ball well. He's not already, you know, he's not that athletic. He just makes the right plays and is smooth and effective with all the decisions that he makes out there on the floor, whether it be pass, shoot, dribble. 
Um, he's got the whole package there. So I wanted to start by asking you, where would you rank him all time? I think we're really, you know, with the ring now, we're getting to that conversation of, of where he would rank all time with the two MVPs, yeah. a finals MVP now to add to the, the resume there. Can you, can you at least give us a range where you, where you see him going or where you'd put him? Well, you have to me, like, I just like, let's just throw a big man out there. Right. So Dirk had one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how many did Tim have? Five. How many did Shaq have? Four. Four. How many did Russ have? Eleven. How many did David <laughs> Robinson have? Two. So to me, like he's in the Pat Ewing, like kind of like Dirk class, I think, right now. Okay. But if you want you want me to put him next to Shaq and you know, Russ, well, Russ is in a different world. Um, <laughs> yeah. um but like David Robinson, Tim Duncan, those kind of guys, like I need, you know, you need more titles, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. And he, he's in the room. Shaq room's a different room. <laughs> Bill Russell's in a, in, in a mansion by himself. Yeah. Right. Like, so um, to me, like, I just like to talk about bigs. He, you, you, you at least need like three titles to me. Before before we we start talking about just goats amongst the bigs. Okay, fair enough. There, so you said he needs more titles. So my next question is actually, what do you think about Denver's chances to repeat? Do you like their chances of doing so with with the core that they have? I mean, obviously they're going to be returning most of their guys. I think the only yeah. big one in question um, is uh, shoot, Bruce, uh, Brown. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, yes. Yeah. Bruce Brown. Sounds yeah. like Bruce Brown wants to be back. And, and then you got to think about this too, in terms of like their minimum free agents. When you get into the potential championship world where players see you that way, and Denver has now done that by not only winning, but kind of just like getting over the hump was big. Just getting to the finals, I thought was huge for the franchise, let alone winning. I think they get a different caliber of minimum free agents now. So I do think as great as their, I thought their bench was pretty great. Like if Reggie Jackson's chilling and DeAndre Jordan's chilling, like you got a really good bench to me. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of teams could use those two guys, you know. Um, shoot, maybe Reggie could have started for a few teams, right? But um, so I think they'll even do better in free agency. To me, it's health. It's health. If, yeah. if, I mean, Joker's never had no real health issues, but like Michael Porter Jr.'s had four back surgeries. And I, I, I don't take that part lightly, mm-hmm. like that he's he's had that. You know, Jamal Murray seems certainly fine, but to continue to win, you need health first, you need talent second, um, and I think you need some luck. Right, definitely it's some luck on your side. um, So I think the Nuggets, like they just, when I in terms of luck, I think that's health and luck. They were both, you know, very lucky in that regard. They never really had any major injury issues, and um, so I, I I think they are poised to certainly make a run for a title, make a title run for many years to come, to be in the mix many years to come. But 
one thing we can't predict is is health. Hey, Mark, I, I got a question. You know, sticking with the Nuggets for a second, they had one of the great playoff runs, at least in the last 20 years, you know, the way they went through um, the whole league. But they also came out almost immediately after winning the title. They came under some sort of criticism by people because of the opponents they played. I think they played two eight seeds, a seven seed, and a four seed. Uh, I'm not in the group that is critical of the the competition that they played because you know they did play the Suns with KD, they did play the Lakers with AD and LeBron and so on. But what's your thoughts on? You know, you you heard the criticism. It was almost yeah. immediately after they they won the title, or even before they were already yeah. uh, when it looked like they were going to win. They already were kind of there were critics out there kind of poo pooing that this run and not, trying to make it illegitimate in some way. But I I disagree. Yeah. I was just kind of wondering about your um, thoughts on that. Well, one of my favorite hip hop sayings is, um, "If they ain't hating, you ain't popping." So I don't care who they played against. They could have played against some Transformers and somebody would have found a way to, uh, you know, to get them. Um, they could they can only play against who they play against, right? Yep. Like, it's not their fault. But I'll tell you what, they had the best record in the Western Conference the whole season. And it wasn't even like, I mean, what, New Orleans maybe jumping there for a heartbeat or something like that or they a couple did, other yeah. teams did, right? They like, dominated the conference, absolutely. But they, they, they basically were either um, amongst the front of the race, but they were leading that race like the whole year. And in fact, I think I said a few times in some other interviews, like they're supposed to be in the finals. They're supposed to do this. And they did it. And yep. so my respect for them and what they did is, is extremely high because they haven't covered the Nuggets for eight years. I, I don't, I, if there's one, I think, thing I wish that could have been done more and I tried to do it is the history of the Nuggets franchise be told and that like I in a lot of ways was like I'm not picking them because something always goes wrong they're like the Clippers something always goes wrong and, and it wasn't that I didn't believe that they had the talent to do it just felt like Murphy's Law was going to catch him again and it didn't this time there were no injuries there wasn't nothing crazy to happen and they did it. And so I ain't got nothing but respect for them cats, man. They're good. I think, They're I think good. Most, like they could have swept Miami. Yeah. yeah. They didn't sweep Miami because, and this is respectful to Miami, even though maybe Heat fans would think otherwise. They were too, too busy taking their foot off the gas, getting too comfortable. That was one knock I had against them in the finals is if they continue to put their foot on the gas, they would have won. Game was a game two that they lost. Yes, they yep. won that game. They were up by like fifteen. They were joking around with it, and that's why like Jeff Green was valuable for him. Like I remember hearing his audio, and he's yelling like, "Don't play with the game! Don't play with the game!" And they won it in five. And so, no, nah, ain't ain't got nothing but respect for me. They're the champs for real. I think most fans around the league are happy for the Nuggets, because they're a very likable bunch. I mean, yeah. they play hard, they play physical, but they play clean. You don't see them getting flagrant fouls. You don't see them, you know, making dirty plays. They're yeah. just a, an ideal kind of group of guys, and you got to be happy for them. Another Bruce, guy I'll that, say this real yeah, quick. is um, yeah. One thing I was happy to see, too, is like 
all the assumptions that because this isn't a top five, you know, top three, top five market team that um, the ratings weren't going to do well. Like nobody wants to see the Nuggets. Nobody wants to see Miami. The ratings were great. And I was like, good. That means they wanted to see good basketball. Yep. That's that, you know, that that's that showed me that we we're underestimating today's basketball fan. I want to ask you a quick question because we want to talk about Anscape in a few minutes. But before we get to that, Damian Lillard, that whole situation just gets a little bit stranger each day that goes by. Yeah. Does he want what? What are his feelings? What does he want to do? What's the team going to do? It's really very puzzling to me. And again, nothing against Dame because Dame has shown his loyalty to Portland countless times over the years. So I don't have any beef at all with Dame, but it almost seems like he doesn't know what he wants to do. On the one hand, he wants to stay because he's a loyal guy and he's Mr. Trailblazer. But on the other hand, I think he knows he's not going to win there. I mean, what's your take on that whole situation? No, I, I think he knows what he wants to do. He wants to play for a, a, a competitive team. And if you look at their roster, you know, Jeremy Grant's still a free agent. It's uncertain that it's a competitive team. Yeah. I, I, I think he has no problems with staying in Portland his whole career, championship or not. Like, he loves it there. His family lives there. He's very comfortable there. Probably will leave, live there after his playing days are over. Um, but I think he's also smart enough to realize that, you know, the light is starting to turn on at the end of the tunnel. And it will probably be excruciating for him to be on a team that can't win anything. I'm not even talking about championship, like just even contend for the playoffs. And respectfully, that team in in as tough as the Western Conference is, is not. So I I don't think he's if they if that roster a month from now isn't competitive, I could see him going. I yeah, I was quite. Cool. I, I was and, quite. And surprised. I don't subscribe to the fact that, like, it's Damon Lillard. I think teams are going to do what they want to do in free agency, and they ain't going to wait for him. But it's Damon Lillard. You f- figure out a way to get the elites, right? When was um, James Harden traded? Right, like. Wasn't he like who was the one that was like traded at the beginning of the season? Like, right? Was it James Harden? Right? It was James Harden so. to Brooklyn. Yeah. To Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, and everybody knew he wanted to be traded. Still got traded. He's James yeah. Harden. Yeah. And I and I think the same will be the case for uh Damon Lillard as well. Regardless yeah, was... of whether it's tomorrow or a month from now. But I, I think he has to be given credit for actually having the patience to see what they will do. Okay. He's like, hey, from what I'm hearing, like, if, if you guys can put a competitive team here, let's go. So it, it, it's, I think the pressure is really on Portland and their general manager right now to either put it put a team together or you know start the rebuilding process without them. And one more before we uh, go ahead and take our halftime break here. I know that you, of course, have a very good relationship with Draymond Green. And uh, obviously, big uh, question marks with uh, what might happen in Golden State this summer. 
with the decisions that they have on their plate, uh, with Mike Dunleavy taking over, having to go ahead and uh, figure all that out. But you no, know, knowing him better than most, Mark, you know, would you be shocked if he didn't resign with the Warriors? You know, I've heard some rumors to Phoenix, other places. I, I think he was even on Dame's list in Portland. Um, but uh, do you think he resigns? I think, in, I think in he State? does his due diligence. But the fact that, um. Look, and I've seen crazier things in free agency. Let me preface that, right? I mean, anything is certainly possible. But I don't know that you make that Jordan Poole move to clear up that money if you think he's leaving. Mm. Right? Yeah. You could do that move later. While the timing of the Jordan Poole move is, is certainly curious to him staying or leans to me that he's staying. Um, the fact that you've heard Chris Paul in interviews talk about Draymond. Yeah, it doesn't Good talk point. about well. Yeah. If if I've not heard him say, and, and look, I haven't heard all his interviews, but not once has it been well. If Draymond stays, yes, yeah. Steph Clay Draymond, Steph Clay Draymond, um, and uh, so I'd be stunned. The Warriors got the money to pay him. What are they willing to pay him? And then I think there's also in terms of knowing him, he's been around long enough to talk to teammates who have departed. And realize the grass ain't always isn't greener in most places. It's not even it isn't always situation here. The grass isn't greener than Golden State in most places. Um, so you want to start from scratch in a place where perhaps the players aren't treated the same. It's not quite the same enthusiasm. You don't have a chance to win a championship. Like you know, uh, where staying is is not a bad thing. Right, he he could potentially have a statue outside of that arena one day, and and I believe there should be a Clay, Steph, Draymond statue together, the three of them. Uh, like that. maybe Steph's in front in the middle, yeah. but <laughs> I definitely think they deserve something really really special one day, and um, if they want him to stay, like I I. I I told he told me in one of the last things he said is man I've been here for eleven years, and that means something. So my guess is he'll probably be be around. Gotcha there. Definitely looking forward to seeing. Kiss of what... death, baby. That's the kiss of death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and with that, we've gone ahead and reached our halftime buzzer. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. And we're quick. back. We're back already. I'm yeah, eat my snacks, man. I Go went ahead. To the bathroom and everything. I thought, you know. we, we've got our own version here at the 48 minute show. I thought we were change. filming this in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> eating, eating, and drinking is allowed on the 48 minutes podcast. Okay. I mean, we're making you know. We're, I can tell you already we're going into overtime on this one. There's just too much to talk about with you. I mean, you know, hopefully yeah, you'll indulge us. To him. I talked to a couple people out in the mezzanine lobby. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Anscape. we got so, a lot okay. of other stuff we want to get to. But first of all, I have a question, and maybe I should know the answer to this, but I don't. It started out as the undefeated. And it became Anscape. Can you tell me the story around the name change? Am I allowed to tell this story? If you can't, hey, it's okay. I'm going to tell this story. And then I need you to hit the PR guy for Manscaped. 
and ask him if it's okay to run my version. Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. I don't I don't want to risk that. I don't want to risk yeah, that. Yeah, let's not do that. I don't want to risk that. But let's put it this but way. But no, I'll, I'll just... I don't want not, you to get in trouble. No, no, I don't no, want I, you to get us in trouble. I in trouble. I just think that... Um, there's another entity that had a similar name that made things a little difficult for us to use our name the way that we want. Uh, understood. And gotcha. I think if you kind of hear what I'm saying, it'll make sense. And yep, uh, yep. so th- it, it was more beneficial for us to change the name because the previous name was already being used by somebody else. Okay. You Does that make done- sense? It does, yes. and I want yeah. and I want to move I want to move forward and talk about some of the yeah. stuff that's on Anscape by Mark J. Spears. Uh, the Scoot Henderson's gym clip uh, was really cool. The story you like about that, Bruce, this, you know, I, I I trust your judgment, man. Because you, you that know. was some TV. That was some unbelievable narration by you. I mean, <laughs> did you? I mean, seriously, that was like, you know, somebody's become a like a TV pro because that was like. You weren't quite James Earl Jones quality, but you were just a little step below that level, which is still pretty damn good. All right. Uh, I love the piece. I loved his family. I mean, you know, every, everybody in the the mom was a riot. I mean, she was oh, yeah. great. This is she what he a, wanted. This, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to cry. I know you're going to cry, though. No, that was so funny. You know, and then I, you did. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Go I was ahead. just going to say, and then you did the piece on the G League Ignite, how it's changing the world of professional basketball. Do you generate these ideas yourself? I mean, I mean, is this like, you know, because the pieces that you do on there, man, you know, you just crush it. Well, thank you, man. I'm glad you appreciate that. Oh, for I, sure. Um, I try to be two steps ahead of the posse with my ideas. And I got that line from Jeff Buzdelic. I, I like using that line. Just, just. <laughs> Always do something that's unique. Always do something that's different. And I, I really think, and you guys could tell me that I'm wrong, like the fan wants to know more than whether they can make a jumper or how many points they can score. They, they care to know about them as people. Yes. And what yep. makes them tick and what is it like behind the scenes? Like we're all curious about what it's like to be with these guys behind the scenes. And so like I did a – I knew school was special – before he you know right when he got to the ignite and the night his first year they're actually down the street from me i live in uh the oakland area there in walnut creek so i would go see him and everybody's like i was asking Pooh jetter play got a cup of coffee in the nba he's been pro basketball for a long time who's the one who's the one scoop who's the one Pooh? scoop make sure you get to know scoop josh hart scoop i mean uh, yeah get to know scoop you know um jason hart i'm sorry um the coach and so i mean he was 17 at the time which is remarkable for a 17 year old to go and play in a professional league like he misses prom he misses senior year of high school to go do this and he had like 28 in a game against g league people when he was a senior in high school like come on man that's special and but then the more i got to know him i got to meet his family like incredible um I, I did a piece with him last year there's actually another video where I, we talked to him and his family in cleveland and and then that's where i got to learn about the gym and how important that gym was to him but 
you're you're talking about not only a great player, but so people know, like a high caliber person, a Steph Curry kind of character. Um, when he got his Puma deal, he got the sizes of all his teammates and all his coaches, and had like five pairs of shoes and five outfits sent to all of them. Wow! At the at the at the team residence unsolicited i want to thank you for being a part of my journey who does that very cool it would be on commuter planes sometimes he'd be you know and he was getting paid pretty good now he's getting the top g league money right or ignite money and he would be in the middle row sitting in the middle of a row sitting and complain just grinned and bared it could have easily complained about that i would have complained about that um <laughs> They have a, a really good, um, you know, like staff and, and Ernie D. Los Angeles, one of their uh, uh, like um, guys on their staff told me, he said, Scoop would take bags after games, my, like the, the team equipment and help me with it and bring it to the bus. Like, come on, man. Like what player does that, right? That's the kind of guy he is. That's and like I could go on and on, but like the last thing that stood out to me the day before the NBA draft, the uh, Ignite, which the story you mentioned, Bruce, they bring players to the draft next year. They're projected to have the number one and two picks in the draft, and those kids are there, and like some potential recruits for the future. There, they all come to draft because they want them to see it. They want them to get extra inspiration. Like you're going to be in that green room where they, they give them a tour of the green room. They put them in a suite and they could dare to dream even more. It's it, they could smell it. And they did that for Scoot last year. So the night before the draft, do you, do you think Scoot had a lot going on? Oh yeah. They were having dinner at a place called a really popular place called Brooklyn chop house. The players. Scoot went and talked to him. The night before the draft. Wow. That that tells you what you need. I mean, like, did he have to do that? Would it have been okay if he didn't? Sure. He's stay before the draft. No, he made a point to go speak to them. And that's the kind of character person that Portland is getting. Mark, were you surprised the Hornets didn't take him at two? I know the whole Lamello and and I, I get all that and and um, I'm not saying Brandon Miller's not going to work out. I'm just curious yeah. your thoughts. No, no, you, I'm, um, I'm, I, 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 world B, I get you. Um, I wasn't surprised because Charlotte never seems to surprise me with <laughs> some of their moves, man. Like, I was waiting you know for what that I mean? Like, and, and I'm not trying to throw shade on them. But they have I, a track record. I, I think it's um, like. Brandon's a great player. He's going to be a great player. So I think they – are you taking a risk getting Scoop? Does he not fit their team? I, it was like – I think they had a good problem. They could have went – it could have went either way. Um, I'm sure both franchises are happy, right? So, I, I mean, it's like picking between a, like a Ferrari and a Lamborghini, right? Like, can you really go wrong? Yeah. So I I think they were good either way. But let me ask you this real quick. Uh 
getting back to the the association and stuff. Real quick, were you surprised Marcus Smart got traded? It's done. It's done. I think he was the obviously the two J's are the most talented players, but Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of that team. Like he's he's the he's the he's the engine that that pulls that train, right? I know they got a bunch of a couple of VIP carts on that train, but he's the engine, and so you you lost a lot of your soul with that. I I don't know that they needed to really do anything that dramatic. I agree. You know, I just think they you have a new coach. It's a rookie head coach who I think is going to be a great coach who's trying to figure out his way. You lose Damon Stoudemire as an assistant during the season. Then you got a bunch of other assistants who believe they're probably like lame duck situation. So they, they got to, you know, they're like short timers. Like, so the coaching staff was in disarray. I think they should have done a better job of putting the right people around you know, the head coach there after, you know, Udoka didn't come back. Like, I think that was a mistake by the Celtic front office to, I think they gave him the support he deserved. And then to me, like the playoffs was just like, they didn't take them serious enough. They didn't take Miami serious enough. And then it was a steamroll and they still could have won the series. Like do they, if the the Celtics would have made the finals, they're a game away from making the finals. Do they make that trade? Kind of think it was a panic move. Yeah, I, I don't think they like, get to. Do the, they need more they scoring? Like, you know what I might have did is just left the team alone and see saw how Gallinari did as yeah. a scorer off the bench. Like, I didn't get the sense that they needed really that extra oomph offensively, right? So, but I'll tell you what, what a hell of a move by Memphis. Yeah, like because not only you get you you get a a a, a a great character, mature OG in the locker room who's going to tell you to be more you know let's not let's not do it this way, guys. Let's win first and celebrate later. Like that's Marcus Smart. Like he's going to be a great guy next to Ja Morant, especially with everything Ja is going through. It's going to be a godsend for him. I'll say one quick thing about that. One of the things, one of Mar- you use the perfect term to talk about Marcus Smart. I've always uh, described him as the emotional engine of that team. He is literally, he was he was like the, the spirit animal for every guy on that team. And he was the guy who would get up in Jalen Brown and Jason Tavis' face and tell him, you have to do more. You have to do this. He was not afraid. So I think the effect that he's going to have on John Morant with that sort of, you know, veteran kind of leadership is going to do wonders for John Morant. I think John Morant, after being around Marcus Smart, is going to be a much better, you know, much have advanced himself so much as a result of the influence of Marcus Smart. Yeah. And, and you know, you Bruce, you guys – I mean, you're in the Northeast, man. Like, seemed like Massachusetts was crushed. Seems like Celtics Nation was crushed. Like, didn't really understand where that came from. I'm with a lot of Celtics fans on Twitter. I engage with them a lot. And we were all like... Why? It's Yeah, just like, it just, it really hurt. 
It yeah. hurt because we love Marcus Smart. Yeah. We love him. Yeah. We love him on the team. I never had a problem with some of the questionable shots that he took because I always knew no matter – he could take five terrible threes in a row, but he still was a plus because yeah. of everything else he did. Well, you know what? It's going to be on Malcolm Brogdon to be that guy now, to be the 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 guy that's going to say something. And I know Malcolm doesn't have any problem with that, but then he has a health issue now, right? Which yeah. has kind of been what a little mysterious, yeah. right? Um, yeah, you got to give him the minutes. They don't even six man a year. They still didn't give him yeah. a ton of minutes on the court. You know, certainly not compared to some of the others. But uh, I, yeah, I'm, I, was, I was kind of. Not, not that I don't think Porzingis. Like if Porzingis plays well, that's a crazy number third, number three. Yeah, that's you know scoring wise, you're as intimidating as perhaps that big three, the big threes we've seen in Celtics lore in the past, right? But um, God, you 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 might be great scoring now, but that soul left. Oh yeah, it left. Well, Mark, one thing we want to do here before we wrap up this uh, phenomenal conversation with you here today is uh, play a game with you called Word Association, where I'm going to give you a player, and then we'll definitely let uh, Bruce and Will B throw one at you. If you could give us the first word that comes to mind, and if you want to kind of uh, break it down a little bit, uh, feel free to. But uh, I'll go ahead and start off with it with an easy one for me, uh, for you, and that is Kobe Bryant. Oh. Man. <laughs> um, Wasn't that easy, I guess. <laughs> nah, because <laughs> that, that one uh, hurts still. Yeah. Um, okay. Just, uh, what's the word? I'm, it's, um, Devastation? No, no. The word is, uh, no, I'm being positive here. I'm I'm like I'm not I'm not thinking okay. about the darkness. I'm thinking about the light. Um, you know how like wordless, like I, there's no words for how amazing he is uh, or was on and off the the floor. Um, you know, I I was always in awe watching him. He was top three most intimidating players I've ever seen. Um, and I saw Jordan in person. So um, in, in Shaq in his prime, like Kobe Bryant was just amazing. And I think perhaps what he doesn't get enough credit for, we talk about so much about how incredible he was as a player and as a competitor, but as he had some compassion that that's what I think about when I think of him is, um, you know, he, he, he cared about if he knew you, he cared about you as a person. And I remember after Hurricane Katrina, he played in the charity game, and I didn't really know him that well at the time. And uh played in the charity game in Houston, and he came up to me. He's like, Man, how's your family doing? I'm like, how do you know my family's displaced? Like, Don't worry about all that. How, how are they doing? Like he was that kind of guy. He mm-hmm. would check on you. Um and I remember when I was changing jobs to go to ESPN, he was privy, like he was asking me about where my happiness was and what I was trying to do with my career. Like, who asked you that? Like, 
Tommy Shepard, the former Wizard GM, he said, he told me, he was like, man, if you're waiting for a hug from an NBA player, you're wasting your time. Kobe Bryant gave you that hug. He like he like truly cared about the people. If he loved you, if he if you were in his like realm, and the one thing he was masterful at, I saw. I'll, am, am I going too long? We got a time limit. No, you're good. No, you're keep, good. Don't keep worry it about rolling, it. baby. Um, <laughs> when I was in Louisville, Kentucky, I was around Ali, and I saw Ali sign autographs once after an event that I covered, where he's named Athlete of the Century. And I, I got permission to get his autograph, which I gave to my father, and to take a picture of him. And I left my glasses at the venue. And uh, I came back like an hour and a half later, and he was still signing autographs for the like help, the, the employees wow. of the hotel. And just like the impact he had on people. I'd never been around anybody that, like it, it was like when he initially walked into the room and Alan Houston was there and one of the hogs from the Redskins was there and all that, right? Um, it was like he floated into the room and like time stopped. And Kobe was that kind of person. Like when he came into a room, like time stops. And he was just so brilliant. Um, there used to be a Lakers PR lady named Allison Bogley. Mm-hmm who she would like tell Kobe, hey, they're so-and-so from Google or so-and-so from film company. Or he always had like people meeting him after games. And a lot of times after games, I would go wait for him to get a couple more quotes and get my little one-on-one with him. And the same way he prepared for a game is the same way he prepared to meet people. And I would see these people outside the locker room and they'd be really, really nervous. Like, I'm about to meet Kobe Bryant. But when he walked out, he'd be like, hey, Jim, how you doing, Jim? Nice to meet you. Man, what you're doing uh, Pixar is incredible. Like, was educated on who they were and what they were doing. And then all of a sudden, this nervous person, all the nervousness goes away. Kobe Bryant knows who I am. Oh, shoot. This is cool, you know. And... So he just was just so brilliant, so smart, and he always wanted to learn more. And he was the, the things that he was in part to do in society, especially with all the racism going in society. I think he could have, he has so much respect for people all, all around the world that I think he could have broken down the need to, to, to stop racism in a way that people, even the most racist people would have been like, well, that's Kobe Bryant. So I'll at least give it a chance to listen to him. And, you know, he had like wrote this book that nobody talks about. It's like the size of an encyclopedia where he had like superheroes that were of mixed race because he wanted his daughters and other mixed race kids to see role models that were super that they could relate to. Like he was just on this, Diff, different lens, but uh, I'll, I'll finish it up. I mean, I could talk about him all day, but the last time I saw him was um, when he got his jersey retired, and I and I like got the video of it. And so he's walking out. He just got his jersey retired. There's a thousand things going on. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. And he goes, "Is that Big Spears over there?" Big Spears. He stops what he's doing, 
walks up to me and I hadn't seen him like face to face in about a year. He goes, man, the work you're doing at the undefeated is amazing, man. I'm really happy for you. You're doing great, great work. I'm like, bro, this is your retirement day, man. <laughs> like, why, why are we talking about me? Like, if you watch the video, you can kind of see, like, I was like, this is your day. Then we honor you and what you've done. And I like, I think I told him, I said, man, I let's I'd love to break bread soon, somewhere, anywhere. And I didn't even talk about basketball. And he said, Yeah, I love that too. Dap me up and that was the last conversation we have, and I have it on video. So uh, it's 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 still hard for me to one of the hardest things I ever had to do was have to write a, a column on him hours after what happened happened. And even on social media, I feel like every day I see a video with him on it. And maybe I, in time I'll be ready to stop and listen to it, but I'm not there yet. Um, but what I do remember, man, is one of the most fascinating human beings I've ever met in my life. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> who's next? Wow. Let's see if they live up to this level. Like, who's next? Yeah. <laughs> Who you got, Bruce? <laughs> oh, I, I was going to let World B go, and then I'll go okay. after him. Yeah, World B, follow that up. <laughs> uh, the next guy I was going to ask you about was uh, LeBron James. LeBron James. What are your thoughts on when you hear that name? Icon, um, off and off, on and off the court. Um, what he's doing off the court is certainly a uh, legendary, which is amazing for, you know, somebody to do what he's doing and empower his friends the way he's empowered his friends. And now you're seeing the next generation, um, amazing father, certainly in that conversation for greatest of all times. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's a wrong answer for that. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, man. Whoever you think is the greatest is the greatest. I'm going with, Carmelo Anthony. Man. Melo's <laughs> special to me too, man, because uh, I covered Melo when he first came into the NBA. And I still haven't had a I haven't had a conversation with him since he retired, but like I go back to with him at 19. Corn rolls, powder blue jersey. And I'm really, really proud of him, man. Um I found I sound like an old man saying I'm proud of another man. But I'm I'm really, really proud of him because he he fought through a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff off the court. And which I think caused him to be an all-star later than he should have. Caused him to maybe not get the attention and the endorsements that he, he should have early on. But the way he turned it around, I mean, he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I feel like he and the Nuggets are gonna I wish they did it during the finals. But I, I do think that they're going to, you know, have a kumbaya moment next season. And it's interesting, um, you know, the Oakland Athletics, they have two 34, number 34 jerseys retired. They have um, Dennis Eckersley, right, and Dave Stewart. They both wore 34. And uh, I believe I believe it's Dennis Eckersley. But anyways, my point is, like, teams can make their own rules. Like, they probably should have never gave Joker that jersey, to be honest. He was a second-round pick. He obviously turned into something amazing. But there's a reason why Scoot Henderson is wearing double zero. Yeah. yeah. He wore zero with the Ignite. He's never going to wear zero for Portland, and nobody else will. 
whether Dame is there or not. No one will ever wear that that jersey. Or in Dame's case, it's an O. Um, they'll never wear that jersey. Um, and I think Portland is smart. Um, but, like, I, I don't think anybody – when you're at the third highest score in franchise history – and he shouldn't have had no one else should wear that jersey the same way nobody should have got 35 in Oklahoma City either. Anyways, I see a day where Melo's jersey is retired and they're going to do the same for Joker and they'll be fine. World B knows a team that has two number 15s retired for two different guys, don't you, World Absol- B? Absolutely, up there at MSG. Was it uh, Monroe and who's the other one? It's uh, Dick McGuire. Oh, Dick really? McGuire, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah. We just, had, we just had this conversation a couple episodes yeah. I know. Ago. I know. See, I don't forget anything on 48 minutes. You guys yeah, can yeah, sharp there. Yeah. No, I mean, it is so mellow is like for him to be in the book realm, the entertainment realm, the wine realm, and story for another day. But if mellow, if you're listening, you deserve to give me credit for your, your love for wine because the person that really introducing the wine i i really pushed in the wine so I, i'm gonna take credit for that and i still haven't gotten a bottle yet wow all right well mark we want to thank you again for joining us here today um obviously i think a lot of our listeners already are probably following you so uh if you don't want to share how to, how to be followed since people already probably know that what's something I don't assume we can look that. Out? i don't assume that i don't i'll okay. take any Anybody that follows me or listens to my work, I, I appreciate you. I definitely appreciate you. And anytime I meet somebody, I tell them that. So, you know, it's uh, at Mark J, Mark with a C, J Spears uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. So, follow You got to come back. You got to come back. There was so much other stuff we never got to. With you. Is, is, is that <laughs> bad? Like, did I, did no, I ramble? See, I feel bad. like I rambled no. on too much. No, I know. No, it was this great. Made, this means that you got to come back on again because here's what we want to talk about next time you come on. I want to talk about that 08 Celtics team, okay? Because you and I know you could do another hour just on that right now. <laughs> talk about but I know we've season. taken up enough of your time and we don't want to be greedy here. But yeah, I you know, will you come back sometime? Because we just you're the best man. I mean, I almost put an F word in front of that, we but can you talk are some the more. I'm just you are the my, best. My weekends. You you got one or two more questions or our our episode's long, right? You don't. It's up yeah, to you. we're we're up around an hour, and I and I don't want to be greedy with your time. But we would be honored back. if you would I come back with you, us I'll another time. Why don't awesome. I come back after the Hall of Fame thing, and you could ask me about that how it went. That's wow. that's gonna be that. That's, that's about idea. forty. That's about forty five minutes from my house, by the way. Uh, I live. You're gonna be far. there, right? Well, I'd I'd love to figure out a way to do it. You know. I'd love to figure out a way to do it. I mean, it you, would be it would be you unbelievable. There. You know enough people. <laughs> I'll try. I'll see if I'll see if I can work my magic. But uh, right. for sure, I'll be watching. No question about that. No, I I want you to be there. So figure it out. All right, <laughs> Mark. All right, All Dr. Right. Spears. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much again for thank coming you. on the show today, having some fun with us, and uh, sharing your stories. We we greatly appreciate it. And World Be Freer, that's a dope name, man. I like that. <laughs> All right, guys. And, and with that, we uh, that will do it for this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back with you next week to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things around the association. Take care, everybody.